The following podcast is from Tabernacle Baptist Church in Cartersville, Georgia. Thanks for listening. If you have a copy of the Bible with you, church folks, I hope you do. I want to invite you to find your place in Mark chapter 11. This morning we're looking at verses 27 through 33. For a few weeks here I've been preaching on the subject of real religion. And we've been looking at the way in which the religious leaders of Jesus' day had an empty, dead, dry, man-centered religion that was devoid of the love and joy and peace of Jesus Christ. We've been trying to encourage ourselves from the, the negative example of the Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. We've been trying to encourage ourselves to have what we would call real religion, the real thing, a dynamic relationship with God that leads, week one we saw, to true transformation. Life that is changed by the grace of Jesus for the glory of Jesus in this world. Last week, we looked at the idea of how real religion is marked by powerful praying, true intercession, a a real connection with God, soul-to-soul connection with God through this thing called prayer. And this morning, we want to look at how if we want to have real religion we've got to have what I would call acceptance of authority. Acceptance of authority. Now this may seem strange uh, because we live in this 21st century world that is so suspicious of all things that have any air of authority. I mean, we see this in the church house, we see it at the schoolhouse, we see it in our house. Authority has become a thing to be questioned. The very term seems to be a dirty word, if you will. I remember reading not long ago an analysis of American culture that remarked on the way in which authority has indeed fallen on hard times. And this analysis looked at how a shift took place in the United States of America in the 60s and 70s with things like the Vietnam War and Watergate. And now we seem to live in this world in which we're kind of like the book of Judges. Even in the church, everyone seems to do what's right in his or her own eyes. And we've forgotten that before the Lord, we indeed have different channels of authority in life. And we have authority when it comes to spiritual matters. We have to look at God's words. We need to look at God's words this morning. Discover how important it is for our own spiritual good, for our transformation, and for our witness in this world, for us to accept authority from the Lord. I like J.C. Ryle, the Bishop of Liverpool, one of the last real Bible-believing Christians in the Church of England. I like how J.C. Ryle remarked on this truth. He said, if the Bible told me that Jonah swallowed the well, I would believe it. If Christians have no divine book to turn to as their warrant for doctrine and practice, they have no solid ground for present peace or hope and no right to claim the attention of mankind. We need to be people of the book. We need to be people who love the Lord. We need to be people, if we want to be spiritually strong and secure, who realize we have authority in our Creator. 
this is needed for us to have real religion. The question we face this morning from God's word is, how? How can we stay aware of Jesus' authority over our lives? I believe in the passage before us, Mark eleven twenty-seven through 33, we see three keys to acknowledging the Lord's authority over our lives. Now follow along with me. There's a listening outline in your bulletin. Number one, I see that we need to do this. We need to know what authority is. We need to know what authority is. If you want to have real religion, if you want to be set free from dead, dry religion that is devoid of the power and life of Jesus, You've got to accept authority, and that starts with you as a believer in your heart and mind being aware of what this concept involves. You've got to know what authority is. Now look, starting in verse 27, and we'll see mention of this thing called authority. It says, they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking in the temple as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came. Now notice Jesus is in Jerusalem, the Mecca of the Jewish religion. This is the center. Jesus is at the temple complex that represents the very presence of the Lord. It is the Holy Week, the week in which he will die for our sins. And he presents himself as he does throughout the Holy Week at the temple complex. Mark chapter 14 teaches us, makes us aware that every day of the week, during the Holy Week, Jesus was there as the authoritative Son of God, teaching people true doctrine about God. Here we see him in Jerusalem on the Holy Week. And he's confronted by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Three groups of people who comprise one large group known as the Sanhedrin. Everybody say that word, Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the governing body for the Jews in first century Judea. It was made up of these three groups of people, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders. Uh, the Sanhedrin handled all matters related to the executive government, legislative decision, decisions, judicial matters, and religious matters. They were regarded as the authority in all things pertaining to life, government, and religion in ancient Israel. And here they approach Jesus and they question him. And look at their question, verse 28. In your Bible, pay attention. It says, they ask him, by what authority? By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this? They repeat the, the, the concern. Who gave you this authority to do these things? Now, the word translated things is a generic or general word, just as our word things is a generic or general word. I had a, a preacher who trained me to preach, Dr. Much, and he used to tell me, never use the word things in preaching. It's such a generic word. 
Patrick, surely you can come up with a better word than things to use when you preach. Well, I'm struggling this morning avoiding that word because it's right here in the Bible. Things. What things were the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes referring to? Referring to. Well, you can look back. Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. Do you remember Jesus on Monday morning? He went into the temple and he found money changers marking up currency for exchange. He found people selling sacrificial animals that they had marked up, inflated the prices. He found people walking around in the temple complex carrying goods they had bought and sold. And what did Jesus do? He turned over the tables and he chased people out of the temple complex. And he said, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. We saw in verse number 18 that the chief priests and the scribes heard it. They heard what Jesus had done and they started looking for a way to kill him. And now, in our current text on Tuesday, they approach Jesus and they have got an incriminating question to ask him. By what authority do you do these things? Who gave you the right to turn over tables in the temple complex? Who are you to quote scripture in here and say that your father's house shall be called a house of prayer? Do you not know that we are the Sanhedrin? And we are the ones entrusted with these types of decisions. We will have you know, have the authority. They used a technical term from the first century. Translated authority. It was the word exousia. And it referred to the power or the right to make a decision. This term was often used of political leaders. It was used of the Roman emperor who had all authority by the divine right of kings. This word was used to refer to one who had the right to determine what was right. And here the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders use this word. And in doing so, they attempt to bring a charge against Jesus. Because remember Mark eleven eighteen. Remember Mark 3, 6. They wanted to trap Jesus and get him to say something incriminating so that they could have him put to death. But notice the issue. The issue at hand was an issue of authority. They use this word, unbeknownst to them, to show us a most critical issue for our day. We have to be aware of this thing called authority when it comes to our relationship with the Lord and how we live in His creation. We have to be aware of this thing called authority and what it is. This concept deals with Who has the right to determine what is right for our lives? If we want to avoid the spirit of the book of Judges, everybody doing what's right in their own eyes, we've got to know what authority is. There is a God who has the right to tell us what is right for our lives. And we as believers need to understand That we're not made to be the God with a lowercase g of our own lives. Contrary 
to what 21st century American culture tells you. There is truth, and there is a God, and there is a creator, and he made all things, and he has communicated to us truth through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ. We've got to settle this issue. There is authority. I've brought some things with me on the stage this morning. First of all, I have with me a, an official players, an official, the official, Scrabble Players Dictionary. Now, you can tell this thing's been used, amen? I mean, look at this cover. It's ripped. It's torn. The pages are yellowed. They're tattered. Why do I have this dictionary? Well, when Laura and I were first married, I had somebody tell me, Patrick, for y'all to grow in your marriage, be helpful for you to play board games. Healthy couples, research has shown, play board games. How do, how do board games help us? By playing board games, we naturally communicate and engage with one another, but we also fight a lot, don't we? Laura and I love to play Scrabble, you know, the, word, the game where you've got to create words with the different tiles, with different letters on them. We soon found that this led to a lot of controversies in marriage, a lot of debates. I have this tactic when playing Scrabble that I will make up a word that sounds like a legit word just to test you to see whether or not you'll challenge me and lose your turn. So I would have Laura in a crux, a crisis many times. Is he doing that again? Has he made up a word? Then many times we would get in an argument over whether or not a word was really a word. And we would consult a dictionary or we would consult online and type it into Google. We found that we would then not only have a debate over whether or not the word was a word, we would then have a debate over was the website we were looking on reliable. So we were, we had a problem. So finally I got on Amazon.com and found the official Scrabble Players Dictionary. So now when we played Scrabble and there was a debate over a word, we could simply look it up in the dictionary. And it would settle all disputes. Why? It's official. This book has the right to tell us what words are right to use in Scrabble. So maybe I put down the word O-fight. O-P-H-I-T. And Laura thinks, hmm, that's not a word. Look it up. Ophite, noun, plural, a green mottled igneous rock. I don't even know what two of those words are in that sentence. <laughs> it's a type of rock, but it is a word. The Scrabble Dictionary settled it. Why? The Scrabble Dictionary tells us has the right to tell us what words are right. Get this, in your spiritual life, in your relationship with God, in all of life, how you deal with others, how you handle money, how you interact in relationships, the priorities you set for your life, there is an authority over your life. Creator, King Jesus, has the right to tell you what is right. You'll never grow spiritually. You'll never have real joy, peace, and abundant life Jesus wants you to have. You'll never be used as him for an instrument 
for his gospel and his glory in this world till you settle this issue of authority. Know what authority is. There is a God who has the right to tell you what is right. Number two this morning, if you want to accept authority, you need to be able to spot inferior forms of authority. You've got to be able to spot inferior forms of authority. So know this, Satan knows about authority more than most of us do. Because at the beginning of time, Garden of Eden, he knew that the Lord existed as the authority for Adam and Eve. He knew that the Lord, from the posture of authority, had given commands, and he went to Eve and tested God's authority. And he asked this question, did the Lord, did the Lord really say? He subtly began to chip away at the Lord's authority. There's something going on similar throughout human history. It's going on today. There are a plethora, a smorgasbord of false forms of authority, satanically created, intended to draw you out from under the Lord's authority. Some this morning are living by the authority of emotions and how they feel. Fear, worry, anger, bitterness rule their lives. And instead of submitting to God's authority, they are self-directed individuals living by the authority of emotions. Some are living by the authority of culture. They keep their finger in the air to test the winds of society. And they allow the moral compass of this age, instead of the Word of God, to determine what they believe about social issues. Others are driven by the authority of what people think and friends, the opinions of others. And as a result, they're always shifting and changing and always insecure and miserable. Why? Because they haven't learned by God's grace to stand on the authority of what God says instead of what people say. There are inferior forms of authority, and we see them presented to Jesus. Verse 28 of our text, look in your Bible right before you, the chief priests, scribes, and elders asked, by what authority do you do these things? Verse 29, Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, then answer me. I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was John's baptism from heaven or of human origin? Now, notice what Jesus does here. He answers a question with a question. Now, he doesn't do that to dodge or to evade the questions of the leaders of his day. Some people kind of picture Jesus using real good political manipulative techniques here. He put them in their place. He dodged their question with a question. That's not what Jesus is doing. In fact, if anything, he is taking a stance of authority. You see, in the first century world, religious leaders and rabbis often debated with a series of questions. That's how you did this thing. So by engaging these individuals with a question, Jesus kind of puts himself on the same proverbial playing field. He, he regards himself as having the right to debate with these individuals. Most would not even dare, especially a, a, a man from Galilee, wouldn't even dare to question the Sanhedrin. But Jesus does so, giving a hint that he has authority. 
verse 31, says they discussed his question amongst themselves. Where does John's baptism come from? They were nervous about this question. Why? A, a lot of the common folk loved John the Baptist. In the same way that they loved Jesus, they had great affection for this man. And many, we read back in Mark chapter 1, would travel out in the countryside to hear John preach. They would rather hear him than the local rabbi in the synagogue. So the religious leaders here know, boy, we're in a sticky situation. People love John the Baptist. So if we answer, it says in verse 31, they discuss among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe him? So we can't say John came from heaven, but if we say of human origin, we'll offend all of these people present. So, so what do they do? They say verse 33. Verse 33 says, so they answered, we do not know. Now notice what people without real religion often do. They're afraid to answer directly. They often try to cover their true motives. You, you see, the issue here is that these individuals were not willing to submit to the Lord's authority. Instead of being directed by, thus saith the Lord, and the word of God, and the law, and the prophets, these men were driven by the fear of man. They lived by the dictates of their people-pleasing tendencies. They were more concerned about their positions of prominence and power than they were the word of God. They were driven by people's opinions of them, political power. That was their authority. Proverbs warns us that the fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is safe, Proverbs 29, 25. These men needed to remember that truth. And Matthew and Matthew, Jesus and Matthew 10, 28 said this, don't fear those who will kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So these men, the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, live by the fear of man. That was their authority. Not God, not the word of God, not the law, not the prophets, not the Messiah, not the anointed one. They had this inferior form of authority, the fear of mankind. Their decisions, their beliefs, their actions were all driven by this inferior form of authority. Now we can point the finger at them this morning and we can blame them for their inferior form of authority, but don't we often ourselves settle for inferior forms of authority other than Jesus and other than his word. Aren't we sometimes driven by our own experience with something that happened in the past that didn't seem to pan out, so now we're afraid to obey God's word? Aren't we sometimes driven by good old American pragmatism? The ends justifies the means. Boy, if I want to be popular and make more money, I need to make this decision and Boy, I know I'm going against the Word of God, but hey, you got to go along to get along. You got to get along to go along sometimes. Aren't we sometimes driven by 
our own selfish desires or people-pleasing tendency? Doesn't culture sometimes dictate what we believe and how we behave? Sometimes could it be that false teaching, misunderstanding of Scripture becomes our authority? Oh, for some Christians, doesn't it seem that they're driven more by politics and the party line than the Word of God? Know this, believer. Be on guard. Be aware. Since the Garden of Eden, Satan has had false forms of authority. We've got to be on the lookout. We've got to make sure King Jesus and his word and his unadulterated truth is the authority for our lives. So this morning, I think of it when it comes to off-brand foods. I brought with me this morning some crumb-dilly-icious chocolate fudge sandwich cookies. Now, how many of us, if I said this morning, oh, what's your favorite cookie? How many of y'all would say, I prefer the crumb-dilly-icious chocolate fudge sandwich cookies? Nobody says that. Nobody wants the off-brand. Now, there are some. How many of y'all just can get free in Jesus, say, I'm an off-brand fool this morning. I'd love to save some money and get the off-brand. Nobody, my wife's not here this morning, all right? <laughs> Nobody else this morning? All right, so we got the crumb delicious cookies. Nobody wants those. What do we want? Can I get a witness? We want the real thing. We want Oreos, right? Any, anybody want the Oreos above the crumb delicious? Okay. All right, here we got one that will admit it there. Okay, there you go. All right. Anybody else want the Oreos? Okay, here you go, Frank. There you go. All right. All right, there you go. Okay, there you go. All right. Anybody want the crumb delicious? <laughs> and the balcony. You come get them later. I'm going to put them right here, brother. All right. And you come get them. So realize this Satan's got off brands, he's got imitations, he's got cheap knockoffs to the real thing. Realize there's a creator who made the heavens and the earth, and he made you to live in a forever relationship with him. He knows how life looks best. Make sure you keep looking to his book called the Bible as your authority. Make sure you keep listening to spirit, the Holy Spirit within you. Make sure you're looking to King Jesus for authority and not to Satan's off-brands. Know what authority is. Spot inferior forms of authority. Lastly, I want you to see one last truth, one last way we can combat False authority and accept the authority of the Lord. Third, you need to recognize who has authority. Look at verse 30. The Bible says that Jesus asked them, was John's baptism from heaven or of human origin? And I love the way that Jesus paints them into a corner. He asked the question twice, and then he doesn't just ask the question. He says, answer me. Actually, Jesus asked it once. They asked their question twice. Jesus asked it once, but he doesn't just ask the question. He then says, answer me. Now, if I asked Laura a question and said, answer me, boy, that might cause some problems. The Greek, Greek scholars will tell us in the original language of the New Testament here that Jesus actually uses stout, strong language. Uh, one scholar has called his words a sharp rebuke. Notice Jesus isn't asking questions trying to dodge the issue, as some would assume. He knows here he is the Son of God. He is Messiah. He is the Anointed One. He is the one, according to Isaiah, who has come with a face like 
flint to do the will of the Lord. He is not afraid of mere mortals, and he calls them out. He asks them a question, and then he says, answer me, demonstrating that he has all authority. He positions himself. He postures himself as creator God, the one who will not engage in the meaningless debate of mere men following mere man-made religion. He shows himself to us as creator God, the word of God, John 1, 1, who was there at the beginning of time, the wisdom of God, Proverbs 8, that has existed but since before the creative order, Jesus positions himself, Colossians 1, 16 through 18, as the one through whom all things were made. And Jesus shows he has all authority. And later in Scripture, we see him, Matthew 28, 18, plainly saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. And later in the New Testament, we read in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, that Jesus has a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. Our Lord's rebuttal of the religious elite here shows us that he is God, that he is creator, that he has a name above every name, and he has every authority, and he is good, he is perfect, he is just, and he is righteous, and we should bend our lives underneath his authority. Notice from the Word of God this morning, who has authority? Don't look to the opinions of man. Don't let your mind be consumed with what others think about you. Don't keep lending your ear to corrupt culture. Don't allow politicians or religious leaders who are mere men to steer your soul. Look to the Lord and be suspect of anyone or anything that goes against thus saith the Lord. Know this, you'll never be truly spiritually free. You'll never have the John 10, 10 abundant life of Jesus. You will never, John 15, 15, abide in Jesus until you learn to accept Jesus' authority. I remember when I worked in the restaurant industry, shared a couple stories about that recently. I heard some of y'all went and had fried shrimp after last Sunday's sermon. <laughs> I remember I worked at this one particular restaurant, a steakhouse. They had ribeyes, unless y'all need any, just in case y'all need any suggestions for lunch this morning. But I remember I, I went there and as a teenager, as a busboy, and got promoted to be a waiter. And in time, I was asked to be over the wait staff on my shift. Never forget that first shift in which I was over the wait staff. Boy, they really had a hard time because some of them were twice my age, and they remembered when I was a mere lowly busboy. I remember that night, there was a waitress by the name of Kay who had worked there for several years before me. And Kay was bad about turning in her money at the end of the night and leaving without cleaning her tables. One of the most annoying jobs as a waiter there was cleaning the ketchup bottles. 
They were the old glass ketchup bottles. I have a picture of some of them this morning here on the screen. You all remember those ketchup bottles? Did you know if you do not clean those ketchup bottles regularly, and if they're left out, not refrigerated, and if you don't stir them regularly, that gas will build up inside of there? And that an unsuspecting patron at a restaurant could open the ketchup bottle and have it explode on them? So we had to clean these every night and stir them and make sure we kept the fermentation process, I guess that's what it was, at bay. Because I really had seen this happen before. A guy opens, I remember it's back when we had a smoking section restaurant. This guy opened the ketchup bottle in the smoking section. I just heard, poof, turned over his ketchup all over the wall, all over his shirt. That's kind of hard as a waiter because he wanted to be like, ah, look, oh my goodness, look. And the ketchup bottle just blew up all over that dude. Somebody get a picture, my goodness. What? But as a waiter, you've got to be, sir, I'm so sorry. We will pay your job. Oh, that's horrible. So the guy really blew up on the guy. So every night you had to clean these. You had to do what's called marrying them. You would have to take the, the, the ones that were more empty and empty them into the ones that were more full, stir up the ketchup. Then you'd have a bucket of soda water with a rag and you'd clean that little lip out inside because you get all that crusty ketchup. That's no good, right? So it had to be clean. Kay did not want to clean her ketchup bottles this night, my first night of being shift manager. She threw a fit. Who are you to tell me what to do? I actually had to call the overall store manager, Joe. Joe, Kay won't tell me what to do. Tell her you're in charge. That didn't help. <laughs> she went screaming out the front door. You can't make me do it. You're a kid. All right. Kay had a problem with this issue called authority. Someone being in charge. This is an age-old problem that goes back to the Garden of Eden. Satan's been chipping away on this issue since the beginning of time. And hear me in which the age in which we live, in which there's so much confusion, crazy stuff, compromise, and corruption. If we want to be free in Jesus, if we want to experience his life, we've got to develop a humble posture of the soul where we recognize we have a creator who loves us. And he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins and to be raised from the dead. And that Jesus is now at the right hand of God. And he has all authority over all creation. And it is right for us to be in loving, humble submission to him. To accept his authority. To bend our minds and our ears to his truth. For more information, visit us online at tabernaclebaptist.org. Thanks for listening.